0: on university campuses online on the streets the form of anti-zionism anybody that does not accept the existence of the state of israel which hamas in its charter just like mein kampf is committed to annihilating to the murder of jews just like nazis were committed to anybody that does not support that existence is clearly identified with the anti-semitism of today's version
1: Episodes at TNTradio.live. Now, TNT Radio
2: News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Aid deliveries began moving into the besieged Gaza Strip two weeks after the militant group Hamas rampaged through southern Israel, and Israel responded with airstrikes. Those deliveries came as Israeli forces have battled militants from refugee camps and carried out two airstrikes in recent days. Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin say the United States is ready to protect American forces or personnel in the Middle East should the Israel-Hamas war escalate as they expect. Austin told ABC this week the U.S. buildup in the Middle East sends a message to adversaries looking to broaden the war.
3: Recently we've seen rocket and UAV attacks against uh, bases housing uh, our troops in Iraq and Syria. We're concerned about potential escalation. Uh, in fact, uh, what we're seeing is a is the prospect of a significant escalation of attacks uh, on our troops and uh, our, our people throughout the region. And because of that, we're going to do what's necessary to make sure that our troops are uh, are in the right uh, good position, uh, they're they're protected, and that we have the ability to respond. Now. Uh, this additional uh, deployment sends uh, another message to those who would who would uh, seek to widen this conflict. As President Biden said earlier, and as you've heard me say, uh, if any group or any uh, country is looking to widen this conflict and take advantage of this very unfortunate uh, situation that we see, um, our advice is don't. We maintain the right to defend ourselves um, and we won't hesitate to take the appropriate action
2: tesla sold one million electric vehicles in europe in the latest major milestone for the elon Musk-led brand electric cars from the brand remain some of the most popular and best-selling vehicles in the uk with the model y topping the car sales chart in march of this year there are more than 1100 tesla superchargers across the uk and ireland with the rapid and ultra-rapid chargers helping drivers carry on their journeys. Tesla sales in Europe are expected to grow further in the coming years following the opening of Gigafactory Berlin-Brandenburg. Production began at the site in March of 2022, with the factory reaching a run rate of 5,000 units a week in March of 2023. The German government wants to prioritize weapons deliveries to Israel amid its conflict with Hamas. According to unnamed government officials, Commercial applications from companies for armed exports will be processed and approved with priority given the current situation in the Middle East. The report comes after Chancellor Olaf Scholz expressed support for Israel and its conflict with Hamas, saying that there is only one place for Germany, that place is at Israel's side. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen says that it's more bad news for Ukraine.
4: Well, hardly a day goes by now where you don't see bad news for Zelensky in the headlines. And look at this latest article here and this report saying that Germany is rerouting some of its support away from Ukraine and over to Israel. So yet another main European sponsor that looks like they're kind of backing off of the Zelensky regime in Kiev. They don't want to be in the open-ended proxy war anymore. And this latest conflagration in the Middle East has provided a real convenient excuse for a lot of countries to do just that, get out of this Ukraine project that they really probably never wanted to be in to begin with, but were strong armed into it by the United States. Now Israel is attracting all of the cash all of the arms and it's the new cause du jour. They're very, very unhappy in Kiev. For TNT Radio this is Patrick Henningson.
1: For great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts, the TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. This is The Patrick Henningsen Show on TNT Radio.
5: TNT radios Steve Hook I want to talk about some reporting that's been going on some very irresponsible knee-jerk reporting I think has been happening uh, concerning the quote-unquote rocket fired from Israel that hit a hospital uh, New York Times jumped on this Washington Post jumped on this hell The Wall Street Journal even jumped on this and they, needless to say so did CNN MSNBC and the rest and they all just immediately accepted this is what happened uh, before any of the actual facts were known you want to know how you can spot an anti-semite it's very very easy, folks. And I'm not here to defend one side or the other. I'm just here to defend the truth. But it's pretty easy to spot an anti-Semite. Look for people that will accept without question any propaganda coming from Hamas or inside of Palestine and those same people will doubt any and all news coming from Israel. That's a good sign. I ask you, does anyone with an ounce of common sense believe that Israel would intentionally target a hospital in Gaza when they're surrounded by people that want them all dead? If you answered yes to that question, I think Israel would do that, then that's a sign that you might be, if not anti Semitic, certainly not very intelligent.
1: Steve Hook on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable
6: housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular, we can
7: build that. Good morning Liberty NZ with Grant Edwards on the Breakfast Programme. Eight minutes past five, thanks for joining me. Let's look at the weather now for Auckland, uh, For that has got the highest temperature, 15.3 I should say, the lowest is Wai'uru, 3.1, the windiest place to be is Lyle Bay in Wellington, 13 kilometres per hour blowing through there, and Wakatani with 5.4 millimetres of rain falling right at the moment. The uh, temperatures right across New Zealand at the moment, the main centre, Stewart Island, 13 degrees, Invercargill's on 8, Dunedin has 12 degrees, the Chatham Islands, uh, 9 degrees, Queenstown, quite warm for this time of the morning, 8 degrees for you, along with France Joseph and Timaru, and uh, further north on the west coast, Westport, 10 degrees, Nelson's on 12, Blenheim has 9 degrees, Christchurch, 11. Across the Cook Strait to Wellington, 12 degrees in Wellington, Quite chilly though, half that in Masterton. Napier, a little bit warmer. Napier, 17 degrees. Back to Palmerston North, 11 degrees there. New Plymouth next to Mount Egmont, 14. Tarpos on 12 degrees, Rotorua on 13. Gisborne has 8 degrees this morning and uh, Hamilton, 13, Uh, 14 in Tauranga. Auckland's got 15 degrees, Whangarei 13 and Kaitaia is on 12 degrees. Let's look at that short forecast. For Northland to Taramanui, also including Coromandel, the Bay of Plenty and Taupo, mostly cloudy with scattered showers and Gisborne, Hawke's Bay, Wairarapa, cloud increasing from afternoon with isolated showers developing. For Taihepi, Wanganui, and Manawatu, You've got cloud over cloudy this morning. Isolated showers for a time this morning, and again this evening. Taranaki, Kapiti, Wellington, and also Marlborough to Nelson. Uh, you've got well Marlborough and Nelson. Uh, you've got a few showers developing this morning, turning to rain this evening with possible heavy falls for Buller, Westland, and Fiordland. Rain, and uh, that's rain about Fiordland and Westland, spreading north this afternoon with heavy falls and thunderstorms possible from midday onwards. For Canterbury and Kaikoura Coast, a high cloud with uh, brief light rain possible this morning and evening. Otago and Southland, scattered light rain this morning. Showers from the afternoon with heavy and also you're going to have thunderstorms and hail as possible as well. And for the Chathams, cloudy periods with the odd morning shower. I'll be back in a moment with uh, what's going on in the newspapers.
1: The TNT shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at TNTradio.live.
8: For all those who don't have themselves and their children vaccinated with every vaccine on the official schedule, this is a policy that could accurately be then called a no-jab, no-income-at-all policy. Here's Chris Luxon on The Morning Report saying just that. Do you support cutting benefits to solar parents who don't vaccinate their children? Yes, I do. Why?
9: Um, Because it's about a notion of rights and responsibilities. If you want to be part of New Zealand in civil society, you have certain inalienable rights, but you also have responsibilities to actually, for the collective and and helping the collective of New Zealand.
8: Why just target solo parents and probably solo mums, really, if we're talking about it? Should that be extended? Should it it be extended to cutting working for families' benefits?
7: Yeah, it should. Yeah, it should. There you are, New Zealand. That's your new Prime Minister, Christopher Luxon. He's a collectivist. And if you've followed G. Edward Griffin or you've looked at the movie by Mickey Willis, uh, The Great Awakening, uh, they explain very carefully and very uh, cleverly, actually, very thoroughly that collectivism, every tyrant that's ever been uh, in history, you know, whether it's um, or communism, or whether it's uh, fascism or Nazism, they're all collectivists. So in other words, it's for the greater good. So they're prepared to ride roughshod over your rights and freedoms for the for the common good. And uh, so it's uh, it's tyrannical, and that's what we've got. We've now gone from a communist-controlled globalist co- um, company <laughs> country. We've now gone to a um, a fascist one. It seems like with this public-private Partnerships, which is exactly what Mussolini and Hitler were doing. Okay, uh, let's uh, look at the front page of New Zealand Herald. First of all, the Met services have uh, criticism. Auckland anniversary flooding was unprecedented. Met service is defending itself against criticism that it was unable to forecast the extreme rainfall that led to deadly flooding in Auckland in January. Other top stories on Radio New Zealand is a severe triclone, triclone, a tropical cyclone, it's called Lola. La 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 Lola is upgraded to a category 3 the second largest city in Vanuatu is preparing to evacuate centres as it's directly in the path of the severe tropical cyclone Lola. And uh, we've got the yachty. Sadly, the... um, uh, I was going to say America's Cup, but it's not. It's the the Coastal Classic. A man killed in the yacht race was a teacher weeks away from retirement. The man who died during the major New Zealand yacht race, the Coastal Classic, uh, was about to retire. He was a top teacher. Uh, He was at... Auckland, um, Auckland School for 35 years, as far as I know, and we'll have a look at that story in depth a little bit later. Buyer beware! There's a uh, auction house selling fake coins and they can't be stopped. And I think that's in Nelson from memory. A man has been charged after weapons found in University Hall of Residence. We'll look at that story a little bit further down the track as well. In Argentina, uh, the government posed a shock win over the far-right candidate. That's Radio New Zealand, and uh, when I come back, we'll have a look at the uh, front pages of News Hub in just a moment, if I can... Uh, if I can find my way around. There we go. In
8: 2005, Winston promised the people of New Zealand that he'd stand on their behalf against the impending introduction of the Therapeutic Products and Medicines Bill, also known as the Trans-Tasman Drug Agency Bill, if he was elected into Parliament. Many people then gave Winston their vote based on this promise to stand against this bill. They trusted him to stand against regulations that were set to be applied to basic foods and vitamins such as manuka honey or garlic extract. The public's position was that natural products like these shouldn't face the same regulations as pharmaceuticals. People could see that this appeared to be deliberately and unnecessarily hindering access to natural products in favour of pharmaceuticals, and they could also see that this bill posed a threat to our sovereignty on this issue. However, once Winston was comfortably inside the Beehive the following years he completely abandoned the promise he'd made and fully supported the passing of the bill. This photo is from a 2006 New Zealand Herald article which covered the protest that was held at Parliament to express public anger at Winston's betrayal. It shows a Health Trust supporter trying to hand Winston Peters the emails from Kiwis who opposed the bill. But Winston refused to even acknowledge them, let alone read them.
7: All right, quarter past five, thanks for joining me. Let's look at News Hub. Now, the front page main stories is there. Uh, food and drink, don't want it. East Auckland residents furious over a proposed uh, McDonald's franchise. East Auckland, they might be a bit snobby out there, do you think, in the East. And in Rugby World Cup news, couldn't be scripted any better, Ian Foster relishes the Springboks finale as the arch-rivals offer the perfect farewell for him. And uh, in gangs, the police grant special warrant to crack down on gangs after a woman was shot in a key. And in health, able to smile again. Free dental clinic helping Kiwis who can't afford treatment. And then the Christchurch shooting in 2009. when was that? 2019, I can't remember. It's a re-traumatising. A coronial investigation into the Christchurch mosque attacks began. And in Rotorua, uh, we've got uh, Be Our Guest. 100 cyclone-affected families enjoy free break, courtesy of Rotorua Business. And uh, what else? Have I, got? I had a few other things here. I thought that, but it looks like it's changed on me. Oh well, never mind. How sad. Um, Lord's been spotted living a normal life, riding the subway in New York. So that's our New Zealand Lord. I think she's Croatian, isn't she? A dally of some sort. Uh, I think that's what they call them there. Delis. We used to call them dallies in the old days. That was a, an affectionate term. Uh, we'll have a look at uh, Spot in just a moment. Just. Just when moment please. Now, what's happened here? Oh my... Uh, oh, we've got a bit of a problem here, I think. bit of a problem.
1: From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live.
7: Honey, why you calling me? And that is my problem. Uh, somehow, somehow or rather, everything that I'm supposed to be playing is not not working. So I wonder what I can do there. I'm not too sure what I can do about that. I'll just try and play something else in the meantime, bit I think I've got an interview here that might work. Uh, This was one that I had with Liz Lambert. While I go and sort out the problem at 17 minutes past five, here's Liz Lambert, Auckland lawyer. Uh, She was the one to first break this, and I think this was like about three weeks ago. I noticed the media just did it last week about the exemptions in the health department. So the the elite people in in New Zealand Health were given these exemptions for the jab. They didn't have to get jabbed. So here's that conversation I had with Liz. Uh,
10: Good morning, Grant. I've got some shocking news for you. From the health sector, from the Ministry of Health, uh, there were um, 100. Uh, sorry, there were 11,005 exemptions granted under Clause 12A of the Vaccination Orders. These were exemptions for operational uh, use, which had um, exemptions from getting a jab, uh, which the um, the company. Um, or the business under the PCBU had to apply for, for their workers, right? Uh, so so anyway, we had a, a few weeks back, we got news that there'd been 11,005 of these exemptions that were granted. Uh, but when you get an OIA request, you get very very little um depends on on how wide your question is, so it's a difficult one to know how if you you spread it your net wide or or particular but anyway our our, our question in the first place was how many um uh twelve a exemptions had been granted and um and and we got this answer back, eleven thousand and five. So then we sent another um, OIA off to the Ministry of Health saying, in what sectors were these, um, what sort of um, places did people get 12A exemptions? Remember, this was only only for workers under the orders. Um, So we got, um, over the weekend, we got news back that all 11,005 were granted to the health
7: sector. So they were granted, but were they allowed to work? Or did the employers... No,
10: no, they work. The the exemptions were so you could continue working.
7: Yes, but were they allowed to by the employers?
10: The employers applied for them.
7: Oh, I see. Oh, okay.
10: The the, the, um, the actual um, uh, Clause 12a were um if you if you go back and look at the vaccination order remember we talked about everything that was under clause nine no. um that they, those ones under clause nine were pretty much seated. at all you know no. anybody no worker in new zealand um in uh, who was under an order uh should have been um made to go and um uh, you know I'm talking about and especially the um people who had small businesses, et cetera, so if you owned your own business, your own PCBU, and you can decide whether you want your um your the, the workers vaccinated or not, right yeah, so you yeah. can just say, right, well, it's my we talked all about this before, but this was a this was one where the where the employer said, well you know, I have to have it for operational um, reasons because my business will close down, et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. But, you know, um, the thing is that the, the exemptions must have been asked for to the to the PCBU by the worker.
7: So it has to go through the PCBU, can't just go from the worker? It has to, to work- go
10: through mm. the PCBU, ah, okay. yes.
7: There would have been yeah. a lot of employers, though, PCBUs, that would have refused to actually apply, though.
10: In the health sector, um, it depended on, I would say, it depended on who you were. Yeah. I reckon it was the pen pushers up the top. Well, a lot
7: of actually. people believed the, the COVID nonsense, and so they probably thought, well, I'm, I, I won't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
10: But 11,000, you know, how many of those people didn't, um, did, you know, how many of those people were working away and didn't tell anybody else that they'd got the exemptions,
7: right? Oh, well, they, that was probably one of the rules. They had to keep quiet about it, otherwise yeah, they would yeah. have slowed would have the been, whole program it down, probably hey?
10: would have been, yeah, you don't tell anybody we yeah. got an exemption. That's interesting,
7: you. isn't it? So that means, yeah. so now the cat's out of the bag, so they all yeah. knew, 11,000 of them, at least 11,000 yeah. knew that it was unsafe yeah. to have it. Yeah, They didn't feel safe having it.
10: And they were still working in the system with mm. exemptions. Blimey. Yeah.
7: Well, no, that's terrible. It's, it, you shouldn't have to get an exemption.
10: Of, I, I would say it's a case of who you know and how much you knew.
7: But, I mean, you shouldn't have to get an exemption because it's in the Bill of Rights.
10: thing is that, uh, the thing is, uh, Grant, that here's a startling thing for you, right? A PCBU is only ever mentioned in the... Is, is only ever in existence in the health and safety at work act
7: is it the
10: health and safety covid-19 is not a workplace hazard right so to to actually have any of have any affected persons in your workplace you would have had to have a workplace that produced covid-19 as a process of your work or a product of your work okay so not one worker in new zealand unless they worked in a wuhan lab type situation was an affected person for the purposes of those orders so this is what we're taking to the authority and and eventually to the courts right
7: what are you planning on being able to do with this information
10: well, the thing is, we win every case <laughs> because it then becomes unjustified um, or wrongful dismissal.
7: Have right? you had any cases where people have been um, given compensation for being wrongfully dismissed as a result we of this? We
10: have, we have, we have settled many, many cases out.
7: Well, of, we don't hear about yeah. that in the news, do we?
10: We can't. No, no, no. Well, they're not because they're they're settled in mediations.
7: Right. oh okay they don't get to court
10: yeah they don't get there and but that's up that's up to the members right is there you gagging know, orders um,
7: on them like if they have settled but you yeah, have to of course of right. course oh, anything shocking, anything
10: yes everything in mediation you can't tell what what was what was done right but you know a lot of our members need the money
7: to get yeah, that yeah, yeah.
10: keep their heads above water they that's can't right. afford not to take um, not to take the money.
7: Yes. So, what's the um, in a nutshell? What's the what's the, what's the, um, the the upshot of all this?
10: The upshot of it all, um, I think, you know, in t- especially in terms of health professionals mm. getting all of these, um, or people in the health sector mm. getting all of these exemptions, right? Mm. Is manslaughter? I think.
7: Oh, far out.
10: Because. You know the health sector. obvious The Ministry of Health obviously knew that
7: they they were dangerous.
10: That that health professionals or people in the health sector Mm. didn't want it. That they had information, right?
7: Mm. Well, I'm 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 shocked and ashamed of the health sector for not piping up more.
10: Yeah, the Mm. health sector itself, you know, we we've got we of course we've got um members who applied who said to their bosses please get me a twelve A exemption mm. and they wouldn't. All right. They wouldn't. They said, oh yeah, well you know, we can keep but what what is the difference in any area of the health sector? Um with trying to keep your business going, right? Yes. Well, why, why would the Ministry of Health, why would the Ministry of Health uh, granted, um, or Bloomfield uh, probably in this case, mm. why would he have granted 11,005 exemptions?
9: Yeah, that's right. If
10: they, if they thought that COVID-19, mm. were, you know, you've got people in the health sector around all these so-called vulnerable people, who haven't been vaccinated, right? Mm. You know, to me, I think it borders on manslaughter. You've got knowledge of something or extreme recklessness.
7: Well, if, if you believe that, that COVID-19 was a danger.
10: They didn't believe it was a danger, is my point.
7: Mm, yeah, exactly.
10: They knew it wasn't a danger. Mm. They knew the the vax was a danger, and this is why all of the probably the high ups we we won't we will get somebody one day yeah on the stand who says yes I got an exemption and we're going to say well why did you why did you ask your boss to get what you one
7: yeah and why right? didn't you, why didn't you warn others you horrible and cousin. why
10: didn't you warn others yeah, yeah exactly yeah, exactly thanks Liz exactly. that's
7: good information eh.
10: Yeah,
7: oh, and the PCBU,
10: of course, get, then gets the information that it's dangerous, and that's why they then um, apply cold, for Culpable.
7: Oh, yeah. they apply on behalf oh, of you. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So is the PCBU, are they, are they responsible as well as the person that's asking the P- for it? The for PCBU,
10: I, sorry, I shouldn't call people the employer anymore because these orders were, were aimed at PCBU. Yeah. Right.
7: The person in charge that, of the business.
10: The person in charge of the business yeah. or undertaking. Yeah. So it's sometimes they're not employers. Sometimes they're contractors. Yeah. Right? So they might have subcontractors that then they said, okay, uh, like Fletchers, for yeah. example. Yeah. You know, although they weren't under any orders. Mm. But, you know, um, the, the Ministry of Health had tons of contractors, right? Mm. So in, in that case, the Ministry of Health is a PCBU, to yeah. those contractors. And they said to those contractors, you're not coming on our you're not coming on to our thing unless you um, you know, get people vexed." Yeah? yeah. So, so it didn't just, it wasn't just employees. We've got to think of the word PCBU. It's the only place it's it's actually um, used is in the Health and Safety at Work Act. Now the rules in the Health and Safety at Work Act um uh, regulate uh, uh, so the uh, the regulator of the of the Health and Safety Work Act is Worksafe. Yeah, so yeah. we have also got an OIA back from Worksafe admitting that COVID nineteen is a public health issue, not a work related. Not work related.
7: So if that's the case, you know, why did they grant the? Yeah, as you say, why did they grant grant those eleven thousand and uh, exemptions and allow them to continue working in the public uh, in the health industry? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Terrible. Good news. So basically, we've got
10: two. We've got two agencies completely culpable, I believe, WorkSafe, Yeah. um, To all of the businesses, right? Yeah. That they also forced to close down. And um, and the other is to um, you know, as the Ministry of Health itself is a criminal organisation, as far as I can make out.
7: Good. great. We're speaking and with
10: Winfield, the, the head Shireen.
7: we Yes, exactly. They, they all need to be wrapped, wrapped over the knuckles. Um,
10: well, I think I think jail is more appropriate. Actually. Yeah,
7: yeah, judicial uh, jail. Uh, we're speaking no, with Liz no, Lambert.
10: Don't go there through judicial review, no, it's a criminal. The, the New Zealand police got to be involved at some stage.
7: Right. We're speaking with Liz Lambert, lawyer from Auckland. And um, how's the new digs, Liz? Enjoying it in the new house.
10: Oh yeah, yeah. I went. I had to go over to Waiheke yesterday afternoon. help my my daughter um, take the children over for a holiday, and uh, I was meant to be back about on half past five. Um, anyway, long story short, a whole lot of people went over because it was nice at the beginning of the day. Yeah, and um, they brought us a, a silly little boat back. Um, to pick people up, and about 150 of us um, couldn't get on, so oh. we had to wait another hour in the cold. Then get back to um, get back to um, Auckland, and, uh, and the trains aren't running.
11: Oh, and
10: shambles, you have to get a, a bus, and then you have to get a plane, and then you have mm. to get another bus. And in the end, it took me four hours from when I left my get daughter's home. house oh, to gosh. get home. So yeah, I'm really over Waiheke. <laughs> uh,
7: but you are. But you're living in Auckland now. You're not on Waiheke, are you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's better. Especially when you've got to do all those, um, you know, you've got to go, you've got court hearings and um, mediation, that sort of thing. It's all happening yeah, in Auckland, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's. Yeah.
10: Um, yeah, I can be a lot more dangerous here. <laughs> yeah.
7: Well, thank you very much, Liz. I hope to hear from you again soon.
10: Okay, Grant. Thanks nice so much. Yeah, nice talking okay. to you.
7: And that's Auckland lawyer Liz Lambert. It's half past five, and uh, in a moment we will have a look at uh, stuff and just see what's going on on their pages. I'll be back in a minute. Won't be won't be two ticks.
5: TNT Radio's Steve Hook. I want to talk about some reporting that's been going on. Some very irresponsible, knee-jerk reporting, I think, has been happening uh, concerning the "quote-unquote" rocket fired from Israel that hit a hospital. Uh, New York Times jumped on this. Washington Post jumped on this. Held. A- Wall Street Journal even jumped on this, and needless to say, so did CNN, MSNBC, and the rest, and they all just immediately accepted this is what happened uh, before any of the actual facts were known. You want to know how you can spot an anti-Semite? It's very, very easy, folks, and I'm not here to defend one side or the other. I'm just here to defend the truth, but it's pretty easy to spot an anti-Semite. Look for people that will accept without question any propaganda coming from Hamas or inside of Palestine, and those same people will doubt any and all news coming from israel that's a good sign i ask you does anyone with an ounce of common sense believe that israel would intentionally target a hospital in gaza when they're surrounded by people that want them all dead if you answered yes to that question i think israel would do that then that's a sign that you might be if not anti-semitic certainly not very intelligent
1: steve hook on today's news talk tnt radio affordable housing we can build that sustainable
6: housing we can build that At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702. Or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that.
7: 26 to 6. Let's look at the stuff. Let's look at stuff. So just a few of the headlines, first of all, and then we'll go into a little bit more detail. Uh, unexplained death in Lower heart sparks a police probe. Police are investigating unexplained death in Lower heart according to reports, and a woman missing after allegedly stealing a kayak. She's been named the woman who uh, stole the kayak, they say allegedly here, from a property north of Wellington. Uh, She was uh, seen entering the water. I'll just uh, give you a few more details on that one there. Uh, She went missing after allegedly stealing a yellow kayak off the Capiti Coast on Saturday, and her name was 29-year-old Michaela Liga from Otaki. No one was at home when stuff. ...visited the Otaki house, where Ledger is uh, supposed to live. That went there on Monday. Uh, However, neighbours confirmed police had been seen there on Monday morning... ...and some heard an argument about a girl and where she was coming from the house two nights ago. The woman allegedly stole a two-person sit-on kayak from the property in Raumati... ...that's north of Wellington, and was later seen entering the water in it. Uh, She was wearing a long sleeve red top and grey track pants and uh, carrying a white and pink bag. The person who reported the matter to police lost sight of the woman on the kayak at around 8.30pm. Uh, police Coast Guard and the Westpac Rescue Helicopter undertook a search until 12.30am Sunday morning and uh, they resumed the resume, that search at 8 o'clock. On Monday morning, police spokesman said uh, despite an extensive search by air, land and sea, ledger has not been located nor the two-person kayak she was in. That's a bit sad, isn't it? That's a very strange story, that one there. Uh, unexplained death in Lower Hutt. I'll just go back and give you a few more details on that because they're, they're a bit uh, clipped, aren't they? Police are investigating an unexplained death in Lower Hut, and uh, it's been reported that a person died at Hut Hospital on Sunday and the circumstances around the individual's death are still being investigated. Officers were seen at an address on Pool Street in Taita, Lower Hut. Earlier on Monday, a guard was positioned around the property, and outside rather, Uh, according to the New Zealand Herald. uh, Police say more information will be released further uh, as their investigation continues. And uh, weather models performed poorly for Auckland Storm's review. And uh, so this story um, came out just yesterday yesterday. And it says here that the Met Service review of its performance during the Auckland anniversary storm and Cyclone Gabrielle last summer had found an urgent need to develop advanced forecasting methods for extreme rainfall events. Four people died as a result of the Auckland storm and 11 during Cyclone Gabrielle, while between them, the two events caused an estimated $9 billion. To fourteen and a half billion dollars in damages. The Auckland anniversary storm on january twenty seventh was caused by a persistent line of thunderstorms with inherently weak predictability, making the forecasting of the event exceptionally challenging, according to the review. The storm was uh, driven by a persistent northeasterly flow of subtropical air over the upper North Island. Within and some would be saying yeah, you know, it was all directed, you know, then you've got yet yeah, I mean, are they conspiracy theorists? I don't know. Are they or not? Who knows? Give me a text on 021 732 423. That's 021 732 423. Tell me what you think. Do you think that, do you believe in this directed energy weapons? Are they able to, like, was this, what do you call it? Sort of, um, I don't know, is that what they call it? Directed energy? I'm not sure. I can't remember. It's been a while since I looked at that. I did interview a lady who was up in Carmo. And um, what was her name? Can't remember her name, but I had her. I, if you go back, if you go to pod, our podcast, that's Liberty NZ Podcast. There is an interview there about that, uh, but I I can't remember. No, so despite that forecast rainfall amounts and in, intensifies, they were lower than uh, actual amounts, and extreme impacts were not anticipated before the storm started. Performance of all available weather models. In the lead-up to the Auckland Anniversary Storm was poor, the review also said, the storm was a hybrid event with characteristics of both localised convective and broad-scale severe weather. Uh, as such hybrid events tend to be forecast poorly for Cyclone Gabrielle the performance of the warn, uh, warning system in the Gisborne area was also poor the forecast has improved on model rainfall amounts providing excellent lead time for northern Gisborne according to the review I'm looking at a photograph here and it just looks like muddy water it's right, it's almost it's halfway up the windows so half the house is is flooded silt level and just imagine it. oh it looks like it's silt actually it's not muddy water it's silty water good grief it's just like like the house is stuck in a bog Um, overall performance of the warning system in the Hawke's Bay area for the Gisborne Cyclone was moderate while lead time start time and duration in Hawke's Bay were all handled. The performance of both the models and the Met Service severe weather uh, weather team was poor with respect to the location of extreme rainfall amounts near Esk Valley. Conditions appeared to have uh, set up a very strong low-level flow of moisture over the Hawke's Bay, but forecasters did not have access to the tools that could have made them aware of the difference between that flow compared to the cooler and less moist flow over Gisborne. I don't know. What are they there for? Uh, it's interesting, isn't it, because Ian Wishart, he, um, he found that NIWA had been hiding information, historical information, that we've had much worse events. We've actually had events that are as bad, or if not worse than what happened with Gabriel, but they sort of covered it up. And the reason for that is the government wanted to blame it on climate change. Why is the government doing that? Do you think they might be controlled by some sort of international, some sort of so-called global... Um, force some sort of outside entity that's um, controlling our governments and our bureaucracy, possibly could be, anyway. So, that's that wee story there with the models. A mysterious now, this is another headline. We're still on stuff.co.nz. Mystery person tried to use missing man's FPOS card. Hmm, so the FPOS card of an Auckland man who disappeared over a year ago was used by someone else after he was reported missing. John Mills, I remember that case. John Mills, 52, from Mount Roskill, has not been seen since early 2022. His car was last seen in the Waikato region. A spokesman said police continued to work hard to piece together what happened to Mills in the lead-up to his disappearance from his Mount Roskill home. The police have issued a fresh appeal for sightings for Mills and his car, a blueness pulsar. With the registration Yankee Delta 4731. That's YD 4731. Okay, so near the end of 2022, police said that they uh, identified several locations of interest in Waikato. This included an area off Cambridge Road in Hillcrest where a police specialist search team spent time searching. A house on Yvonne Street in Melview, Hamilton was also searched by police during that time. Mills's sister, Melissa Adams Mills, was desperate to find out what had happened to her brother, I can imagine, and she said shortly after his disappearance, a man was seen on CCTV at a Hamilton petrol station attempting to use his FPOS card. The card declined, and I was told at the time by police this man was a person of interest, but I've never been told who this man is or how he ended up with my brother's card and I'm looking at a photograph here, he's got a mask, he's got one of those face masks on, you know, the COVID ones, and his face, I don't know why they've done this for us, but they've actually blanked out his, his, his eyes and face. So why would they do that? You would think normally police would want you to know, wouldn't you? What are they are they covering up something here, do you think? Adams Mills said that she'd like to speak with the man and ask him why he was trying to withdraw money from her brother's account. Well that could be tricky. Our family will not stop looking for John. He's a kind hearted and loving guy who would who would do anything for anyone. So the police are saying here see on the one hand police are saying anyone with information, you know, dial one oh five and quote a file number. But why Is the photograph, the CCT photograph of the man suspected of using John's F-Postcard. Why is that blocked out? Like, you can't see him. He's got a face mask on, so he's obviously trying to, um, you know, disguise himself. Unless he's put this jolly thing on. It looks like a pair of ski goggles, but then, you know, it's hard to tell. He's got receding hairline with a bit of hair in the middle. So hopefully they get to the bottom of that. Poor old John Mills and poor, uh, his poor family. Now, police granted special search powers following the Apotiki shooting. You remember that there was a gang, gang-related gang shooting. Uh, following a recent spate of alleged gang-related shootings in the small Bay of Plenty town of Apotiki, the police have been granted a warrant that gives them special search powers during times of gang conflict. So that that's going to be used against us. Do you know that? They they don't need to they don't need any new laws. They just need to get in and do their work, and the police. I mean, and the judges need. To, we need to get rid of all the judges that aren't obeying the law. They're not following the law and putting these people away. And what's with this business? I've heard from a from a, uh, and I can't say who he is, but he's he's high up in the media and uh, very experienced uh, in the media. And he's told me privately, off the record. That he spoke to a 45 year old policeman with over 20 years uh, I think it was about 20 years um, sort of experience and he said we were told not to not to arrest Maori We're to catch and release and this is this is in the city this is a karangahaki Road with uh, a road with a lot of, a lot of violence going on and people that are living in, in uh, apartment buildings there are fed up. Yep, he said that uh, unless it's for p importation. Now, why would that be if it's just for p importation? I think that's a bit strange, don't you think? Now, there was a fellow called Greg Hallett. He wrote a book called New Zealand: A Hitchhiker's Not a Hitchhiker's Guide. New Zealand: A Blackmailer's Guide. New Zealand: A Blackmailer's Guide by Greg Hallett, and uh, he's a bit, bit out there. You know, he lives. I think he was an architect here in New Zealand for years, and in this book, he named. That he wrote the the um, New Zealand uh, hit, uh, black ma- black ma- Blackmailers Guide, he named all these prominent people as pedophiles and you know just to- totally corrupt. You know people from uh, in government, uh, people that are uh, even the governor. One of the governor generals he named, uh, and um, so the books out there you can get hold of it, and uh, so in there he said that there's all sorts of dodgy things going on. And or oh, that he did say that police brought pea into the country, and that's what he said in this book. Police brought P into the country, so but that might explain why the police. If it's true, that might explain why uh, the police have sort of been told to let Maori go, except for pea importation. So obviously the gangs are involved. It makes you wonder whether the gangs and the police have sort of got sort of something going together, doesn't it? Sort of just to keep the whole thing, keep the make it make it look like they're doing something about crime just sort of a circular thing <laughs> it's a bit like that in a, in um, in Thailand up in Chiang Mai there what they do they they have the police and uh, so they'll have someone trying to sell you marijuana or some or drugs or whatever I don't know but that's what they do I never got involved in anything like that when I went up there uh, but uh, blimey I was up there for it for a trek actually I went on a trek on the what well, Myanmar they call it now, but it was the Burmese border in the old days. But anyway, um, so what they do is the police they'll um, catch you just round the corner. So someone will sell you drugs, uh, and then they're all in with the police, and then the police will pull you up, and you've got to pay money. It's very corrupt. If you want to, if you don't want to go to jail, and I'll tell you what, you don't want to go to a Chiang Mai jail. You've got to pay all this money, and it's not terribly expensive. But that's that's how they do it. So. The, <laughs> They're in with the drug dealers, the police over there. I wonder if it's the same here in New Zealand. Could be 12 minutes to 6 and we will have uh, TNT Radio News at 6. Anyway, uh, according to this the Criminal Activity Intervention Legislation Act... That's called the CAIL for short. It's a warrant that was issued by the court to Apotiki and Wakatani police on Monday, and it gives officers the ability to search vehicles and places of suspected gang members, as well as the occupants of those vehicles. Police are also able to seize firearms, weapons, and vehicles. Uh, the woman come warrant rather comes after a woman says that she was shot at uh, in her Apotiki home over the weekend. Police said they were called at about 2.45 on Saturday after the woman arrived at the Apotiki Ambulance Station with a gunshot wound. Good grief. The woman told police that she had been uh, injured when her car, or oh, her car rather, not, not the house, I don't know, that's another, another situation. Her car was shot at and uh, was taken to the Wakatani Hospital in a serious condition. Police said that they conducted an operation in Tauranga on Monday morning in relation to the shooting and seized a vehicle of interest. Inquiries into the shooting are on Going. however police say that it appears to be to be linked to an ongoing conflict and tensions between the black power and the mongrel mob the mongrel mob in the um, mongrel mob in Apodiki. now the problem with these rules the problem with this new act the criminal activity intervention legislation act is that that is going to be used to ride roughshod over ordinary New Zealanders. That, uh, that, um, that we thought that, the, that we were protected by the Bill of Rights, so they can just make up some trumped-up thing. It could be something that you've said on the internet, I reckon. <laughs> that's, how they, that's what they're going to do in the future, and they'll use that act, criminal activity. They'll say it's for us, criminal activity intervention legislation, so that they can just walk into your property without, without due cause. Just because they would have intimidated you, that could be what that could be what it's used for. Usually, they do this. There's enough rules in our, as I said before, there's enough um, regulations. We don't need any more to be written. And what they're doing is this is this is why we need a constitution, and that's why Australia was saved from uh, from the government Albanese and Co, all those other globalists, from pushing through this uh, the Voice. Which is basically the same as our co-governance here in New Zealand, which is the Marification of New Zealand over there. Basically, what they're doing is they're using so-called indigenous people, and it's not the actual run-of-the-mill Maori who are great. It's these elite Maori that they're that they're um, that are the ones that are going to be doing really well out of this, and the same in Australia. And uh, so it's just a way to take take over the country, take it away from ordinary Australians and New Zealanders, and turn turn the country into sort of a a, a one world as you know part of a one world um sort of a government and they're using indigenous so-called indigenous people to um to do that and so but because they had a because australia has a, a written constitution it um it meant that it had to be put to a referendum and they in the referendum the the australians overwhelmingly said no way jose we don't want this so there we are so that is that story there in Apotheke it's always been a bit dodgy down there hasn't it though I mean it's a lovely place when you drive through but uh, no I think it's, uh, it's as far as I know it's pretty dodgy um, we'll have a look at the Jerusalem Post in just, uh, just when moment. you want divorce to be made illegal Us. why
0: Yes, because I don't think what we have today is really marriage. What is marriage? It's for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, in sickness and in health till death do us part. That's what marriage is supposed to be. But feminists have ruined marriage for the people that actually believe in marriage. How? When there is a 50% divorce rate and the average marriage is 80 years. Why is that is all down to the years. women? I, I I didn't say that it was all down to the women. Why well, feminists You asked why I want divorce to be banned. Yeah. Can I finish yeah. that first? So I'm saying, you know, now, the people that believe in divorce go be in long-term relationships leave marriage for the people that actually believe in for better or for worse for richer or for poorer in sickness and in health till death do us part
7: oh that is um pearl you can catch her pearly p-e-a-r-l and also i i misspelled some Wishart. i missed out his h yesterday it's ian wishart uh he's the one that wrote the paradise Cons- conspiracy it's w-i-s-h-a-r-t as far as i know And, uh, yes, very interesting guy. And I might have a look at his um, Twitter page, or what do they call it now, X page. Uh, I'll do that a little bit later. Okay, we're at the Jerusalem Post now, and the latest headlines there. Hamas resumes rocket fire at Israel as more aid enters. Over 1,400 were murdered, more than 5,400 wounded. That's Israelis. That was on October the 7th. IDF. 222 captives in Gaza third Gaza bound aid convoy enters Rafah a crossing at Egypt and the Gaza neonatal unit warns babies at risk within minutes if the power fails uh that news of course and so it's hard to I mean this is in the Jerusalem post so they've they've put it there but uh, it's hard to get really um sort of up to date and accurate information coming out of Gaza Because uh, there's just so much um, propaganda coming out of there. I don't believe that there's that the. I I really don't believe um, most of the uh, information coming from. um, You you know, they've got a robust. Israel's got a robust uh, fourth estate. And uh, I think they're pretty fair in their reporting. So we're at the Jerusalem Post. We'll also have a look at the uh, Times of Israel as well. And also Israel National News. Okay, so we're back at the Jerusalem Post, and um, uh, the IDF right now are rehearsing combat ahead of the Gaza ground invasion, and Iran will not hesitate to launch missiles at Haifa, according to the staff at the Jerusalem Post, and uh, International Ombudsman Institute, Hamas, exists to exterminate the Jews. That's what they've said. We'll look at these stories in depth. A squad of female IDF combat troops uh, is eliminated has eliminated rather nearly they're not eliminated they've eliminated nearly a hundred Hamas so these women are pretty amazing you see the photographs of them don't you uh, some of those um we, we often people are just walking around you know they're in bikinis these girls and they're strapped up with a semi-automatic or an automatic weapon over their over the over the shoulder uh, Israeli American reservist killed by Hezbollah rocket just days after being called in. And a uh, fashion designer survives the Hamas massacre. His grandmother did not. So some horrific stories coming out of Israel that the med- Western media are refusing to report on. Uh, all they're talking about is the carpet bombing of Israel, which I doubt very much. I do doubt that it's carpet bombing. I think that it's strategic bombing, trying to take out uh, senior senior people in, the, in Hamas. Uh, the other thing we have to remember is that it's about 80% of the people living in Gaza actually support Hamas so it's a very difficult operation so i don't know what do you do do you just sort of go in there and just sort of occupy it and can, and continue to have people living there uh, that's going to put your own soldiers at risk uh, just like in northern ireland it was terrible uh, the, the british soldiers were being shot at all the time and uh, so an occupation be like the roman the roman days wouldn't it when the romans controlled uh, Jerusalem and Israel it, it, you know, it's just really horrible. Uh, I think the most sensible thing to do is that the Palestinians so-called, they're living there, and they're not Palestinians they're Arabs and, that's, and uh, Egyptians uh, most of them, they're from Jordan, they're from all the Arab nations and they're used there they're being used there uh, to, for a reason, their, their main role is to just continue to put pressure on Israel and it's the entire Arab world that is against Israel, I'll have you know. It's not just these so-called Palestinians that are the problems. Uh, in this area, it, I mean, it goes back to the whole of Israel. It goes back, people just say 100 years ago, but it actually goes back to the 13th century BC when the Canaanites controlled the area. And uh, in the Bible, it says that God promised the Canaanites, uh, promised the, he promised that he'd deal to the Canaanites because they were wicked. And so God used the, their enemies, the Israelites, to uh, punish them, and uh, God promised Abraham that He would give him His descendants all of that land, uh, which includes the Gaza Strip. and So I think that what will happen in the future is that um, they need to be moved out of there, and because because they're just going to keep shooting at you. So that was in, in the 1300 BC uh, when Joshua invaded the um, Canaanites. And so, and then the, the if you look, people need to look at the Bible because you know as I've said so many times, when the Bible says stuff, it it comes true. So they need to look at it first because this is not just something that's um you know just happened since um I think it was uh, was the Balfour Agreement and Allenby uh, when he invaded um, it took it off the Ottomans the area uh, the Ottomans were Muslims of course. Uh, that was in 1917, and then in two, 1948 they handed it back to Israel, who they believed were the rightful owners of that land, going back three and a half thousand years, three and a half to four thousand years, in fact. So uh, it's uh, you know I don't believe. I mean, uh, I think her the the first prime minister, what was her name? She well she was prime minister, not first, but the, she was prime minister from 1969 until 1974. Uh, Her name just escapes me at the moment, but she said there was no Palestinians. That's an invented term. There were just Jews and Arabs living in the area. And we know that the reason why it's called Palestine, the reason why they do that, and now it's Israel, of course, that's its rightful name, but Palestine was a term that the Romans used because they wanted to wipe the name of Israel off the face of the maps that's what they wanted to do it's two minutes two and we'll have some news for you in a moment some more news from tnt radio and uh, then uh, i will be back with some a bit more detail and we'll have a wee bit more look at uh what's going on in israel and uh other reports as well
1: for those who crave more than just reading headlines in their social media feeds people need to wake up today's news talk tnt radio For those who crave more than just reading headlines in their social media feeds. People need to wake up. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Episodes at Live Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. There have
2: been more Israeli airstrikes in Gaza, and more than 5,000 Palestinians have now been reported by the Gaza Health Ministry to have died in Israeli strikes since the Hamas terrorist attacks in Israel on October 7th. President Biden released a joint statement with the leaders of Canada, France, Germany, Italy, and the United Kingdom, welcoming the release of two American hostages from Gaza, reiterating the right of israel to defend itself and urging israel to protect civilians president biden also spoke again with israel's leader regarding that call with prime minister benjamin netanyahu the white house said the leaders affirmed that they will now be continuing flow of this critical assistance into gaza president biden expressed appreciation for Israel's support in helping accommodate the release of two american hostages that release happened friday President Biden spoke with the mother and daughter by phone before departing for his most recent vacation in Delaware. The administration being held hostage by Hamas in Gaza, or how many of the ten are already dead? The percentage of homicides involving people under 35 in London, which appear to be linked to drill music, remains high. From April of 2022 to March of 2023, according to Statista. There were 112 homicides in London, and at least 8 of them appeared linked to drill music disputes. In the year up until March of 2022, the figure was 11 out of 124. And between April of 2020 to March of 2021, it was 18 out of 119, compared to 18 out of 144 in the previous year. Over the past four years, between 25 and 36 percent of homicides involving people aged under 35 had a connection with drill music. Ousted House Speaker Kev McCarthy has warned there may be terrorist sleeper cells hiding in the U.S. and waiting for the order to strike during the unprecedented illegal immigration at the southern border.
12: A record-breaking. It's going to be an uphill battle, but if you simply look at what's the chaos right now, a wide-open southern border. I'm concerned about a cell sitting inside America today. We just caught 18 people just last month on the FBI terrorist watch list coming across our border. More than 160 have done it this year, a record breaking. When we're looking around the Middle East and the uprisings popping up around Europe and others, they could be sleeper cells right now in America, but this administration hasn't done nothing to change what's happening on the southern border. We got government funding where our troops wouldn't be paid.
2: Russian President Vladimir Putin said on Wednesday that the strike on a Gaza hospital that left hundreds dead should serve as a signal both to the Palestinian armed groups and Israel to end the hostilities. Speaking to journalists at China's Belt and Road Forum in Beijing, Putin described the powerful explosion that rocked Al-Ali Arab Hospital as a tragedy and a terrible incident. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen says Russia is one of the only countries calling for a ceasefire.
4: Almost no Western leaders, no Western governments have come out and condemned uh, the strike on this hospital in Gaza. This is one of the worst strikes that we've seen throughout this conflict or in any conflict. And it seems strange that the IDF has changed its story twice. They initially came out, boasted about it, then deleted the tweet and then made up another story that Hamas uh, fired a rocket and blew up its own hospital. It's like we're getting Nord Stream 2 pipeline vibes here. But it's good to see at least one country coming out and calling this a genuine humanitarian disaster, but really a war crime as well, and that's of course Russian President Vladimir Putin. Few countries have come out calling for a ceasefire, Russia's one of them, but nobody else is doing it. This is very strange and it's left a lot of people scratching their heads thinking, Do people want more war? Is this the new normal? For TNT Radio, this is Patrick Henningson.
9: Should it be compulsory to be vaccinated in this country, and that is New Zealand? If you ask my personal opinion, yes, we should be. It should be compulsory. It saves lives massively.
8: Are you talking to your government partners about compulsory vaccination?
9: Well, look, that's for the Minister of Health and others to, to, to uh, determine. And of course, this conversation will go on.
7: Well, that is Winston Peters, and that was in an interview on the morning report. And uh, so you can see that uh, what he's saying, what he was saying in the lead up to the campaign, uh, which got him back into Parliament. Uh, is it? I'm not sure if he's back into Parliament. We won't know until the 3rd of November. But he certainly uh, has. He, he will, well, he will be in the Parliament, but perhaps not in the government. That's probably what more like to the point. Six minutes past six and uh, right, let's have a look at the weather shall we? First of all the extremes Auckland is the highest, Hunua recorded 15 degrees right now at uh, six minutes past six lowest is in Masterton 4.4, that's quite chilly for the whole country Masterton, it's always cold there though uh, normally it's always very cold, I don't know why, uh, when Wellington's you know, qu- at the moment is double the temperature than Masterton is. Yes, now Wellington's 13 and Masterton 4, 4.4. 4. The windiest place to be is Wellington, though, in Lyle Bay, which is often windy, 30 kilometres of wind now, and Hamilton is the wettest uh, in the whole country, 1.6 millimetres. The temperatures across the main centres, uh, we've got the 13 degrees in Stewart Island, Invercargill's on 9 degrees. Dunedin has 12, uh, ha- what have we got, Hamilton, uh, Chatham Island's 9 degrees Queenstown is also on 9 along with Timaru Cross to the west coast France Joseph 8 degrees further north to Westport 11 degrees Nelson's also on 11 along with Christchurch Blenheim has uh, 10 degrees and across to Wellington now in the North Island uh, 13 degrees Masterton 4 as we said earlier Napier 6 degrees Palmerston North 11 New Plymouth 14 Tarpo 12 along with Rotorua Gisborne is on 9 degrees Hamilton has 13 degrees uh, Taurong is also on 13 in Auckland quite warm there at 15 degrees round figures Huangarei 13 and Kaitaia 12 degrees the short forecast for Northland to Taramanui including the Coromandel and also for the Bay of Plenty and Taupo uh, mainly mainly cloudy with scattered showers Gisborne, Hawke's Bay and the Waiarapa cloud increasing this afternoon with isolated showers developing for Taihape and Wanganui, and we'll also throw in Manawatu as well cloudy over this morning and then isolated showers for the uh, time this morning and again this evening. Taranaki, and also for the Kapiti and Wellington areas, also for Marlborough and Nelson. A few showers developing this morning, turning to rain this evening with possible heavy heavy falls. For Buller and Westland, also Fiordland, rain about Fiordland and the Westland area, spreading north this afternoon, heavy falls and thunderstorms possible. From midday onwards, for Canterbury and Kaikoura Coast, high cloud with brief light rain, possible, possibly heavy uh, this morning and evening. And Otago and Southland, scattered light rain this morning, showers from the afternoon, some heavy with thunderstorms and hail possible. And finally for the Chatham Islands, the odd shower in the morning. Okay. Uh, in a moment, we'll go back to the newspapers and we'll look at a little bit more in depth. It's almost nine past six. There is
12: no doubt this was a tragedy at the hospital, but there was this rush to judgment based on a one sided story from a whatever the opposite of a reliable source is. And that's what was so disturbing about Tuesday. And like I said, because there hasn't been a follow up, a kind of series of accountability, uh, I'm worried that it could keep happening.
9: Let me ask you the big picture question. Do you think this is based on a a bias in the media against Israel? Is it just laziness? What's the reason?
12: I think it's it's more about laziness. It's more about a rush to report whatever is new. After after all, the word news has the word new in it. There's always a desire to get out whatever you're hearing most recently. But, you know, I do think it's important to analyze the Israel part of this. Israel is not perfect. The IDF is not perfect. Uh, I've questioned Israeli officials on live TV in the past. Uh, They deserve scrutiny. But Israel is a functioning democracy with a vibrant press. And I think in some ways, perhaps Israel's held to a much higher standard than sources on the Gaza Strip, for example. I think that might be part of the problem.
7: Okay, now that was Abram, I think his name was. Dan Abram, um, he's the host. And the guest there was Brian Stetton, and that's on News Nation. Very interesting. Okay uh, let's uh, just before we go back to New Zealand papers and look at them in a little bit more depth, we'll just continue with the Jerusalem Post. So we talked about the Hamas they were resuming their um, rocket fire at Israel. You would think that they they're <laughs> incredible, aren't they? Uh, over fourteen hundred no we talked about that earlier. I'll just uh, see if I, I'll just click on that story and give you a few more details. This is the live updates that are coming out of uh, Israel according to the Jerusalem Post. And it says that sirens, this is just recently sirens sounded in the Gaza border town of near Oz over a suspected infiltration of a hostile aircraft from the Strip on Monday, uh, so which is today for us here. That was an hour ago. And Field said that no International Ombudsman Institute Hamas exists to exterminate Jews. Field said that he, I don't know who Field is, where does it say that? Uh, it doesn't actually say, it just sort of starts off with saying Field. Field said that he would like to visit Israel to stand with you and to stand with the great democracy. So I don't know where they must have some sort of a problem with their website there. Anyway, uh, we'll just move down and see what else uh, we've got here. The terrorist group Hamas operates at an unimaginable level of evil, is sponsored by Iran and exists to exterminate the Jewish people. That is that's that's where that 's my take on it and why, and this, but this isn't being reported is it in our media here in New Zealand, so it exists to wipe out the um, wipe out Israel. Do you know I experienced that when I was a little boy at school in primary school? I think I was in my second year was i mm, how old was i um yeah, well, I was about seven, I think, and it was during the six day war, and we were sitting in class. And I distinctly remember And my father had talked a lot about Israel And, you know, I was brought up in a Christian home And, uh, you know, we believed that uh, God would um, That the Jews were God's chosen people We believed that And I guess you'd call our family We're Christian Zionists, I suppose That's what you call us My father in particular And he was very interested in prophecy Uh, My dad and his father-in-law, my mum's dad uh, They used to study together uh, quite a lot, and they did. Like, and Dad taught me just, just in passing. We've just be talking about things, and so anyway, I was sitting in this class, and this woman said, "The Jews uh, are filthy pigs, and they they should be pushed into the sea uh, because that is not their land. They've stolen it off the Arabs." She said. She didn't use the word Palestinian, I don't think, because I don't think that was really coined until Yasser Arafat. They coin he sort of coined the phrase. Palestinian. Of course, we had the word Palestine, but not the word Palestinian. That was sort of an invented term, a bit like Aotearoa is invented here. I know that might shock some of you, but there's plenty of evidence to suggest that Aotearoa was an invented term by the Education Department and people like Henry Percy Smith. I think that's his name, Percy something anyway. Uh, so that's sort of, a, sort, of a, sort of a sort of a romantic name that they'd given it. and um, But and Maori never used those terms. Um, they were quite different terms. And I've got a story on that, Noel. I'll uh, bring it to you at some stage. Anyway, let's get back to this, uh, this wee story here. Uh, there can be no false moral equivalence in the lawful and correct response of Israel to those who came to slaughter the Jewish people. Oh, yeah, I was telling you about my teacher. <laughs> yeah, and she, anyway, that's what she said. And um, fancy saying that. So she was trying to teach us, little Kiwi kids sitting in school, Lavin, at Levin North School, trying to teach us and, to hate the Jewish people. And so that's how it starts. And so they get, in, they get into the education. They start with the kids. And Noni Darwish, she said that when she, because she's a Christian now, but she was brought up, her father was a, um, a head of a terror organization, and they lived in Gaza. And she said, at the Gaza Elementary School, we were taught to hate the Jews. It's all based on hate. It's not like that for Israelis. I mean, now there's some Israelis out there that are, that really hate what's going. They they would like to kill Arabs because of what's happened, but that's not right. That's wrong, and many many Israelis would agree with me that that is wrong. They want to kill the terrorists because there are Arabs that are that are actually in the IDF. I think there's even Muslim Arabs in the IDF that are are fighting against these terrorists. And but you know, it's it's interesting. It's it's. Um, she said that even though, the, this is Nani Dawish, she said, this is one whose father was a um, terrorist organisation, who was killed by an Israeli defence force, they came to the house and they killed him. But she still loves the IDF, because she knows that her father was a bad man. He was a terrorist. But then he's a bad man, why? Because he's been trained by his parents and old elders to hate the Jewish people. And we've got something similar going on in this country with Maori, we've got a group of elites that are trying to indoctrinate young Maori to hate what they call Pākehā, to hate white New Zealanders. And they even hate other people from other tribes, according to one caller that sent a message to me. So there is this, this elite group of Maori that are linked with our democracy, so-called, with our government, especially the one that just went out, don't know if it's going to be the same with the new one. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But they were linked and they were sort of like, it was almost like just sort of like an unholy alliance. But the, every, every you know ordinary Maori who just want to get on with life and build a future for their families and just get along and build a, build a great country, they, are, they don't get any of the, the money doesn't come back to them. It goes to these rich iwis, so-called iwi, which is just a Maori word for tribe, but there's a corporate iwi, and so these people in the Maori party, I'm, um, I'm very cautious about them. Anyway, so that's what's happening here in New Zealand. We've got the same sort of things. It's happening in every country in the world, and I think it's what the globalists are using. They're using uh indigenous people, so-called indigenous, although there's a big debate as to whether Maori were, were the first people here. I think it's pretty clear that they're not, and the evidence for that has been covered up. There's lots of evidence to suggest that uh, there was plenty of other explorers that had come here well before Maori. Uh, so they're immigrants as well, aren't they? They're settlers, just like New Zealand, uh, the ones that came from the UK as settlers. I don't classify... Uh, our pe- the people that came out here in eighteen forty ours my family from came from the u k in eighteen forty two i think it was just after a couple of years after the treaty of Waitangi was signed uh up in Waitangi there uh what was it there Waitangi means water death water burial isn't it Waitangi that's very interesting but anyway um they um, yeah they came out to this country they didn't consider themselves to be immigrants uh they weren't immigrants they were settlers. So I'm a descendant of a settler, I'm not a, I'm not a descendant of immigrants. You know, and when people come to New Zealand from the UK they shouldn't really call themselves immigrants because, you know, New Zealand was actually settled by people from the United Kingdom, which is quite different from Europe. There were Europeans as well, but Europe, you know, the United Kingdom is not in Europe. And that's why I don't like being called a European. I'm of British descent. I'm a British New Zealander. That's that's my family. That's where I come from. I'm very proud of it too. And I'm not a white supremacist. <laughs> not at all. My family were heavily involved in the Maori Postal Sunday School. And they spoke fluent Maori, better than many of uh, Maori today. They spoke it. Uh, one of my family was a member of um, a group uh, as I said, the Maori Postal Sunday School, my uncles and, you know, right up and, and my father. I don't think my father was involved, but our, our family from generations was involved in the Maori Postal Sunday School. And uh, one of them, as I was about to say, he was an interpreter in the Beehive and he spoke very fluent Maori. And uh, so, you know, we my we come from a, a long line of working together with Maori people, but we've seen this change with the communist uh, infiltration of our systems here in New Zealand with the Education department and uh, other and you know it's definitely the education department because you 've got to get the little ones while they 're young don't you so you can indoctrinate them that's what's, that's what happens all over the world. The communists they get into the schools they get into um, religions as well they get into churches and seminaries to try and uh, pollute really just attach themselves to to these organizations because uh, yeah, well, that's how, that's how they get their information out, and so now you've got a whole generation of kids that are completely uh, brainwashed uh, unless they've got really good parents who have to deprogram their children. We used to deprogram our kids every time they came home from school, because and uh, so that's what you do. You can make sure you talk to your children. And I was very very blessed that my mother and father talked to, talk to us a lot. You know, so we. We had such a—you've got to have such a good relationship with your children. My son, even now, will come and talk to me about things that my dad, my dad wouldn't even talk to me about, and I feel really honoured that he would do that, that he would come and share stuff with me. And I think my daughter's the same. But my son, in particular, we've got a pretty close relationship, and uh, I love that. So that's important, isn't it, to build just so that they can come to you and share things that are, you know, that are bothering them, uh, and you know, the good and the bad. That's why I think it's uh, just just so important anyway. Okay, so we're back to Israeli uh, post. I don't know how I got off onto that. Uh, the Just a few hours ago, the IDF registers a hostile aircraft entering Israel from the Gaza Strip. Uh, that was also, and also in Lebanon as well and I think I might have mentioned that, sirens sounded in the Gaza border town of near Oz, I did, over a suspected infiltration of a hostile aircraft from the Strip on Monday. Uh, subsequently, Hamas released a statement on their Arab-language telegram channel. Well, that's where they are. They're on the telegram channel regarding the incident. I don't know what they said. Uh, we'll have a look. Oh, we could be to go and have a look and see what they said, shall we? Let's see if we can find out. Al-Khwazam brigades have launched two suicide attack drones, one of which targeted a 107 squadron known as the orange Tail Knights belonging to the Air Force and stationed at the Hatzorman base. That was what Hamas wrote. The other drone targeted the command headquarters of the Sinai Brigade within the occupying forces located at the Tizim military base. Hamas also, now just an ads just gone right right across my writing. Hamas also, that's what I notice about the Israeli papers, they're really big on advertising and uh, all sorts of things happening. Hamas also released a propaganda film on their Telegram channel featuring drones being launched into Israel. And I've got that here. Uh, Shall I'll just click on it, shall I? don't know if it'll be loud enough. I'll just click on it. It's only a minute. And just... We won't be able to hear it, but this is what they do. Very professional. Wow. It's extremely professional. It's like a movie. Oh, boy. These guys have got some money, eh? They've got some backing. I mean, that's phenomenal. I should really... What I might do is... I might actually... um, If you go over to Rumble... Oh, wow, look, they're firing all these rockets. And they're all masked up, you know. They hate Israel. They hate... They hate the Jews, right? They totally just hate them. It's incredible, isn't it, because they were once half-brothers. This is so professionally done. That is just uh, unbelievably well done. So that is who you're up against, Israel. That's who. That's what the world is up against, because Israel first and then they're going to come after us. And they breed like flies. And uh, this is, this is a, a factual information that I'm about to give you here. In parts of Europe, the birth rate per family is down to as low as 1.6. Now, that's sort of interesting. How can you have a 0. 0.6 of a baby? That's just an average, 1.6. In, in Europe, the Muslims are having eight babies per family, and that's because they're allowed more than one wife. And uh, so, and they're outbreeding you. And I tell you what, if that continues on, I can tell you that if unless unless something happens, and I think that's what will happen, I think that will bring about the end, uh, as far as not the end of the world, but this uh, the big battle, and I think the big reset. It will be because the Islamic world will have so many people, and so many, so much violence, and so much hatred towards the uh, Jews and the Christians. And you know, we living we living in a Judeo. Christian world, aren't we, at the moment? But they want to destroy that. They, want to take, they don't just want to live in peace in their own country. They want to take over our country. That's why they've come to New Zealand. That's why they're in Australia and the United States and Canada. They're there to take the, the Western world for Allah. They want to turn the White House into the Black House. And that's the truth of the matter. These people don't, many of them just want to, want to live quietly with you, but you don't know who they are. Do you? That's why I think that 50 years ago, New Zealanders should have been asked, who do you want us to um, uh, allow to come and live in this country? And we should, not, we should not have allowed Islamic people to come into our country. I don't hate them, but I just think what we've done, we've actually, we're, we've actually imported an army, and we saw it over the weekend, didn't we? We saw it there with the so, Palestinian protest. And that, but they're not Palestinian protests. They're protesting Hamas because the Palestinians support the majority of them. Well, and more than the majority, almost all of them support Hamas, a terror, terrorist organisation. Why? Because they're taught it in their schools to hate the Jews. That the land does not belong to them, which it does. It was given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not Abraham and Ishmael, the um, the son of the uh, Egyptian handmaiden. So those people living in Gaza, they're pretty much, well, they're, they're actually, they're descendants of Arab Jews. That's who, because Ishmael was the father of the Arabs. It's 25 minutes past six, and you're listening to Liberty and Zeb with Grant Edwards rabbiting on. But I'm just so, uh, wow, I mean, that is very professionally done. That video, it's, it's their propaganda film featuring drones launched from Israel airspace. And there's a whole heap of them here that the Israeli Defence Force have put up, and they've given it to the Jerusalem Post. So I'm reading this story from the Jerusalem Post. Uh, The IDF also said it identified a UAV uh, that had penetrated into Israeli airspace. They said that following the initial report of the alert in the Galilee region, the Israeli air defence fighters will intercept unmanned aircraft that enter Israeli territory from Lebanese airspace. Uh, from the maritime area of the Gulf of of Qabar. That was according to an IDF spokesperson. So that is uh, very interesting. The Palestinians, not just Hamas. Uh, This is a story here on the uh, Jerusalem Post. Uh, The Palestinians, not just Hamas, have declared war on Israel. This is an opinion piece. Uh, This is by Alza Piklachowski and she says that uh, until a total Israeli victory over the Palestinians and the uh, Palestinians surrender, uh, the understanding that they will, ha- they will have terms dictated to them, the conflict will continue. That's so true, I believe that too. Uh, in the initial days after the attacks against Israel in the South, the global community stood behind Israel, stunned and disgusted by the gory pictures that depicted the unprecedented levels of human cruelty in this century the world stood with israel against its enemies enjoying world support was a relatively new phenomenon for an israeli uh, israel that's used to being attacked by its enemies rockets and then being told to de-escalate hitting back with an uh, ambiguous proportional response that always seemed to be determined right after the israeli attack and conveniently always found israel guilty of using disproportionate response. Israelis were pleased with this newfound support, but missed a fundamental mistake that many countries, new organizations, and even the Israeli government missed. The war and gruesome attacks against Israel have been framed as Israel against Hamas it made a sense to uh, it made sense to characterize the two sides as hamas versus israel because hamas was a terrorist organization that took immediate credit for the attacks and sent the most attackers however characterizing the attacks as conducted by hamas missed half the picture and the real conf- uh, com- rather, rather the real uh, foundation of the war joe trusman a research analyst focused on palestinian armed groups and non-state Actors in the Middle East for the Foundation of Defense of Democracies, he wrote that there is plenty of conclusive evidence demonstrating that multiple Palestinian terrorist organisations were involved in the barbaric attacks that occurred in Israel on October the 7th. A he listed Hamas, uh, Al-Qasar Martyrs Brigade. Democratic Front of the Liberation of Palestine, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and the Palestinian Mujahideen Movement. Other sources report that Palestinian terror organization Jaish uh, al-Umar and Jaish al-Islam Gaza were also involved. Israeli media reports the bodies of 1,500 Palestinian terrorists were found within Israel after the counterattacks, while Hamas only took credit for 1200 of its terrorists participating in the mission this leaves 300 fighters of a quarter of the uh, the attackers who were not hamas members taking into account mr trusman's information and reporting for other sources uh, and also from other sources i should say the war that started on october the 7th should not be characterized as hamas versus israel it would be more accurate to extend the characterization to palestinian versus Israel war. I agree with this. It's almost like all of the Arab nations and they're just basically just cheering, even people living in our country, which is why it's, I'm so concerned about the volume of Muslims that we've got living in New Zealand. I don't hate them. I wish them well. But if they're here, as uh, the, and their aim is to be part of an organisation that starts off just quietly because that's, that's what it's about. It's all about just slowly getting control of a country and just uh, as the numbers grow and they're growing way more than our numbers and as the numbers grow they basically start to extend uh, sort of exert their authority over us so we should have been asked 50 years ago who do you want New Zealand to become what do you want our country to be like we were never asked and we should have been asked because it's vitally important so what we've done is we're actually importing the enemies of the west into our countries, all of us are doing it. Australia, New Zealand, Canada, the United States, uh, Europe is Europe is just fallen. Really, it's just. I mean, we've seen it in Germany, haven't we? With Merkel, um, it's just uh, you know Paris, France is just overrun with Muslims, and uh, you know we it's a it's a disaster, and uh, I I can't see that. And that, I can see that's how there's going to be a world war, the next world war, because you know. We've allowed these people that don't, they don't want peace with Israel and they don't want peace with us. They want to dominate us. They want to control. They want to take the, they want to turn the whole world into an Islamic uh, state, a one world Islamic state. That's their aim. So the Palestinian hate for Israel and the Jewish people is well known. In a poll after, in poll after poll, many documented in this space in previous columns an overwhelming number of Palestinians harbor anti-Semitic feelings towards Jews and support an armed struggle against Israel and its people. An accurate assessment of the Palestinian people would show that there are more than uh, who are aligned with Hamas and the factions that participate in the attacks than there are those who object to them. There was no large condemnation among the Palestinian people after the attacks. There was none of the disgust demonstrated about the attacks that was exhibited by almost every other nation in the world. Instead, the world witnessed a familiar scenes of the Palestinians blowing horns, blasting music, handing out candy, and setting off fireworks, all in celebration of the massacre of Jews. The facade that there are two groups, Palestinians and Palestinian uh, Palestinian terror organizations, Uh, has vanished Palestinians approve of the attacks it wasn't only displayed in Gaza and the West Bank it was displayed all over the world and we saw it didn't we even in New Zealand the Palestinian diaspora community came out in full force to support these attacks the attacks on October the 7th against Jews in which 1,400 people were slaughtered and over 5,400 people were injured at college campuses in the United States Letters were signed and published by student uh, leaders and organizations blaming Israel for it, the attacks on itself. And at the University of North Carolina, students chanted, Palestine is Hamas, Hamas is Palestine, proving the thesis of this column that the attacks weren't carried out in the name of Hamas, but in the name and representation of the Palestinian people one of the most revealing scenes came when Palestinian American congresswoman Rashida uh, Thabe uh, of Michigan was repeatedly asked if, if she was in favor of Hamas of beheadings of babies and rape and these are true this is the, these these scenes did happen this actually is true they're trying to say that it didn't happen but it did happen these people are denialists just like they deny that uh, there were over 6 million Jews murdered during the 1940s Um, and late 1930s, in um, all through Europe with the Nazis. Instead of answering with a resounding, of course not, she remained silent. The Irish Americans, um, Jews and Arabs all share a teaching. Silence is complicity. Uh, As the Arab-American Thwab, uh, she knows this teaching well and her silence demonstrated her approval of the attacks." The notion that Palestinian terror organizations are outliers among the Palestinian people and that most of the Palestinian community doesn't support their ideology and viciousness is not accurate. This doesn't mean that every Palestinian is a terrorist or terrorist supporter, but it does mean that as a whole, the majority of Palestinians have chosen terrorism over peace, violence over negotiations, and intransience over progress uh, if nothing else, the attacks on Shimchat Torah shows the Israeli people, even the most optimistic among them, that there can be no peace with the Palestinian people. Moving forward, Israel must recognize the foolishness of entering a peace deal and end the Israeli uh, Palestinian conflict. The brutal actions of the Palestinians showed a level of cruelty that prevents any sort of negotiated settlement with them. The only way the Israeli-Palestinian conflict will end will be on the terms dictated to the Palestinians after a comprehensive Israeli victory. This is how the Allies ended their conflict with Germany in World War I and World War II. And now America ended its first Persian Gulf War – that's how they did it, rather – in Iraq. The brutality displayed by many Palestinians has ensured that they have forfeited the right to demand a negotiation. Until a total Israeli victory over the Palestinians and a Palestinian surrender and understanding that they will have terms dictated to them, the conflict will continue." as it has for the last 100 years. The writer is a certified interfaith hospice chaplain in Jerusalem and a major, uh, a major contributor. She lives with the, her husband and six children. So that is a story that you will find at the Jerusalem Post, uh, and it's very revealing. And this just sort of backs up what I've been saying, doesn't it, that uh, the majority of Palestinians living in the area are in support of Hamas, and it's not just Hamas. There's many groups there, lots of them, not just one. Uh, I think, what do we, what do we read? Twelve hundred Hamas admitted they had 1,200 fighters, and, uh, there was, but there was 300 extras. So where did they come from? And uh, so that's the uh, Jerusalem Post, and uh, when I come back, we'll have a look at the uh, Israeli national news and just see if they've got anything to add to it. Here's Edward G. Griffin talking about democracy and how everyone thinks it's so wonderful, but it's not. It's actually deadly.
9: Democracy is a form of government based upon the principle of majority rule. Period. End of discussion. Now, that's not very complicated. Majority rule. It's easy to understand, easy to sell to the masses, and, I might add, deadly. For example, what would you call a lynch mob? That's majority rule. There's only one dissenting vote, and he's at the end of the rope. Now, that's pure democracy in action. Now, but wait a minute, you say. The majority should rule, yes, but not to the extent of destroying the rights of the minority. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we are no longer describing a democracy. We are speaking of a republic. A republic is a limited democracy. It's a form of government based upon the principle of limited majority rule. Limited so that the minority, even a minority of one, can be protected against the whims and passions of the majority. And how do you protect the minority from the majority? You write down a set of rules on a piece of paper. You say, this we can do, that we cannot. At the top of the paper, you write the word Constitution. And then everyone agrees to follow the rules no matter what the temptation. And when you're finished, you've created a constitutional republic.
7: Twenty-two to seven, and you're listening to Liberty NZ. My name's Grant Edwards, and that was G Edward Griffin. Now I'm at the Israel National News uh, News page. It's very difficult sometimes to actually get information out of it. This article just came out two minutes ago. The Shin Bet and Israeli police they published a joint statement this evening summarising the results of the investigation so far into Hamas massacre. Of 1,400 people in the southern Israel on October the seventh, uh, Sim Shat Torah, the investigation revealed how Hamas encouraged the murder of men, women, and children of all ages, as well as the taking of hostages. Back. To Gaza, from the interrogation of six terrorists who were captured in the wake of the massacre, it was discovered that Hamas offered significant financial incentives to anyone who successfully kidnapped an Israeli, uh, with abductors promised $10,000 and a free apartment. The detain- detainees also stated that the instructions were to kidnap elderly women and children, and to and to clear the houses and kidnap as many prisoners as possible. One detainee described how he shot a dog in one of his victims' houses, Another, and I saw a video of that. Another, uh, not that particular one, this one was out in the out in the yard. Another described how he and a fellow terrorist grabbed a fifteen-year-old girl from her home and took a selfie with her. uh, before putting her on a motorcycle to Gaza. One detainee said there was a body lying on the floor. I shot her. The commander shouted at me why I was wasting bullets on her body. Uh, We finished killing, and then before we finished, we burned down two houses with their occupants inside. The Shin Bet said that the interrogations revealed that the terrorist forces that raided the communities in southern Israel received clear and explicit instructions to kill and kidnap civilians, including elderly women and children. I think I've just read that, uh, but it's repeated it. In addition, the senior commanders of Hamas hid in bunkers in Gaza while sending their men to kill and be killed or be captured in Israel. All the terrorists, and we also know that many of them were on drugs. I've got a photograph of one of them here. They're so young. Um... Looks like he's being interrogated. He's got his handcuffs on and he's got his prison uniform on. He doesn't look terribly happy, but he's not beaten up or anything. Like you know, he hasn't got sort of bruises all over them, like he was, <laughs> like they do in New Zealand. You know, they end up, end up uh, coming out to the cameras with um, uh, bruises all over you. Uh, anyway, so I've just got a wee bit more to add to that. I think I have. Anyway, what does it say here? Uh, all the terrorists in their Shin Bet investigations have detailed information about the morning of the raid and the massacre in the Israeli towns and also provided valuable information that was all, had already been used and will continue to be used to attack military targets in the Gaza Strip. The security forces of the State of Israel will settle accounts with all terrorists who participated in the massacre on 7-10, October the 7th. the Shin Bet and police said in a statement. And uh, so wow, so there's just that just gives you some idea what and our media are not really reporting on this, are they? they' definitely definitely are not uh, now i d f they have raised the number of confirmed hostages to two hundred and twenty two and I'm just looking at a few other headlines here. uh the next step is coming soon now this is Galant, he says, I'll just skip to the site. They're also, very tricky to get around these websites. Lots of things here. Defense Minister Yoav Galant, he recently completed this, just came out a couple of minutes ago. He recently completed a tour of the Ashod Navy Base where he conducted a situation assessment of naval operations. He also toured and the shores of Israel's southern border together with Navy Commander Vadam. Or, oh, sorry, I think I guess it's VADM. V-A-D-M that must be some kind of a um, sort of commander. That I'm not sure what that means. His name is David Sa Salama, and he held discussions with the troops stationed in the area. Minister Gallant. He commended the troops for neutralizing dozens of terrorists and thwarting infiltration attempts from the Gaza Strip because they're still at it. This is what the people think it's just Israel bombing, carpet bombing. You know, as, as some people are saying, which is absolutely untrue. They're strategically bombing and to make it omelet eggs need to be broken. But the Israeli Defense Force is in no way, uh, they, are, they are the best of the world when it comes to fighting against terrorists without uh, and harming as few um, innocent civilians as possible. Um, he said, I have just um, patrolled our coast together with the men and women of the Israeli Navy. And they are people who fought the, in the attack conducted by Hamas two weeks ago. I don't know why they keep saying Hamas all the time, because it's more than Hamas. I suppose they're sort of the ruling body there, aren't they? They struck, I thought it was the Palestinian Authority, used to be called the PLO, the Palestine Liberation Organization, and then they changed it to the Palestine Liberation um Liberation Authority, and that was when Yasser Arafat, and he was a bloody murderer, you know, just an absolute cold hearted killer. That fellow, he's the one that really coined the phrase um, Palestinian. Before then, it was just Jews and Arabs. Uh, These are the people who fought the attack conducted by Hamas two weeks ago. They struck uh, the terrorists and their boats and then participated in the combat uh, taking place on land, according to Gallant. Not quite if I follow that. These young soldiers and their excellent commanders performed their jobs in an impressive manner. It sounds all very sort of, it's all very rah-rah, isn't it? They're trying to, you know, sort of g- garner support for for, for the, what they're doing. Uh, and you can understand that. Anyway, we'll read on. It says they did an excellent job. Uh, keep, they, they did an excellent job. Keep preparing for our operation. It will come soon. I think people are getting itchy feet. They want to go in. They want to go in and they want, to, they want to sort out these terrorists once and for all. And I believe the the only right, right thing to do is basically just to go, go in and take full control, rebuild Gaza and uh, create employment for people that want to stay and live in peace and the ones that don't have to go. They've got to go and live in a Muslim country. They'll be happy there. But apparently they're not. They're only happy when they're living in a Western country. They want to live in a Western country. Why is that? Why can't they be happy living in their own country? That's what I'd like to know um, yeah oh just just lost lost a listener from um the middle East. Oh, well, (laughs) that's too bad, isn't it? Okay, what are we up to? 14 minutes to 7, and, uh, of course, TNT Radio News will be uh, here with us at 7. And uh, in a moment, we'll go back to New Zealand and just see if there's been any new details um, on our news front this morning, which is on Tuesday, the 24th of October. Be back in a moment.
1: The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. Yeah, Congressman, not the NBC the media, no, not I, most American I, I media. I, talking, say, I did not say NBC, about, but,
9: but CNN did. And I will tell you, media it, in the Arab world. And I will CNN did as well. And I will tell you, uh, it is wrong. It is wrong. We need to. When you are in war, you better make sure you have your facts. We cannot have Baghdad Bob's running around uh, promulgating these lies, uh, especially members of Congress. Uh, so it is imperative. Uh, it does matter. Uh, facts matter here. And we need to make sure uh, that people understand Israel did not attack a hospital. Uh, that was a terrorist organization that did that.
7: Uh, that's right. That's exactly right. OK, but look how quickly they all jumped to blame Israel. Uh, before before any of the information was known, they were blaming Israel. Why? That's Because that's a sign that we've got people that are in the Western world that are actually anti-Semitic. They hate the Jews. Isn't that incredible? Israel are defending the uh, the Western world against Islamic terrorism. They're the first first defence, and we hate them for it. What's wrong with us? We need our heads read. All right, we're moving over to Radio New Zealand now, and they've got some news stories that have just come out here. Tropical cyclone Lola strengthens to a Category 4. An hour ago, it was Category 3, so it's intensifying. Let's hope it stays well away from New Zealand. The cyclone is expected to hit Vanuatu's second largest city, Luganville, at midday today. Uh, so we'll just whip in there and have a, a close look at that. So it was a Category a 3, it was upgraded from a 2 to a 3 an hour ago, so it's getting more intensified, and uh, where are we? Gosh, look at it there wow, and there's Nandi, so it's not, not close to Nandi at the moment, but it's moving down uh, to uh, some land, it's going to be a bit nasty, and the people are used to that the people of Vanuatu, they are well prepared Tropical Cyclone Lola is strengthening to Category 4 with wind gusts of 198 kilometers per hour, wow that's a lot of wind, isn't it? It's a hundred and twenty miles per hour. That's what—about a hundred and twenty knots, which is really fear hiking. Man, like, man, you can't even stand up. You can—you start to feel—you wouldn't be able to stand up in that. Um, I've been on a boat with just fifty knots, solid fifty knots, and you—you you have trouble standing there. <laughs> you, you know, keeping yourself—you've got to lean forward a bit, like like a Wellington sailor. The cyclone is expected to hit. Uh, Vanuatu, its second-largest city, Luganville, at midday. Evacuation centres have been set in Luganville as authorities tell communities to stock up on food and water and prepare to evacuate their homes in case of flooding. Uh, Philip Mito, he's a Principal Provisional Liaison Officer with the Vanuatu Disaster Management Office. He said on Monday... People were aware of the cyclone risks and evacuation centres have been set up. He said that in a previous cyclone a flood prone and in flood-prone areas, more than 100 people are usually evacuated, so this is sort of uh, old hat for them. And Mito said that their communications network was limited and urged people to access official updates on social media and continue listening on the radio. That's why radios are so important, aren't they? Because when the internet goes down... You've still got your local wireless, haven't you? Luganville Municipal Council was working with the Vanuatu National Disaster Management Office and people were advised not to go to work today. The council's evacuation centre spokesman, uh, Colinette uh, Tarpe, she said that ward secretaries were passing on information and making sure people are prepared. She said that we are trying to get people prepared like stocking up on food and cutting down trees. Now, I read that before in the last post when it was a Category 3, and I couldn't understand why they cut down trees, uh, why they need to do that. But perhaps you could tell me on 021 732 423. 021 732 423, You could let me know uh, why they do that. Um, it would be good if we had a chat, wouldn't it? That would be ideal. But we don't. Anyway, so that's that story there from uh, the Pacific, Vanuatu is uh, getting a fair old copping. And also, a Pacific uh, MP uh, is in short supply uh, for this government, apparently. Political representation from the Pacifica community has been lost in an an ocean of white faces. That's a bit racist to say that, isn't it? And blue shirts. So that's white male um, National Party. But does it matter? No, it doesn't. Because if you're good enough you'll get in, no matter what your race is, or what's your sex is. Don't use the word gender, because gender is used for language, not sex. There's only two sexes, a male and female, created he then. Ten minutes to seven, and uh, that would have rubbed a few people up the wrong way, but I don't care. Now, uh, what are the other top stories? Well, MetService have got some criticism. This is their responding to it. Auckland anniversary flooding was unprecedented. Now, I'll just go and have a look at that story because it's quite interesting. I'm looking at a photograph there of a car with its wheels completely covered with water. That was the flooding, and it was at the corner of Seabrook and Margan Avenue in Auckland, in the uh, Auckland suburb of New Lynn. That was back in January, remember? Met services defending itself against criticism that was unable to forecast the extreme rainfall that led to a deadly flooding in Auckland in January. The weather modelling system did not forecast the amount of rainfall or degree of severe flooding caused by the deluge Uh, In in an internal review, Uh, the Met Service Chief Executive Stephen Hunt said that it was because meteorological models based weather forecasts on how the weather was behaving previously, that's what what past data he calls it, but the Auckland floods saw an unprecedented amount of moisture in the atmosphere, and this was very hard to forecast. The review looked at the state-owned enterprises' performance in relation to both the 27th of January Auckland anniversary weekend floods – and Cyclone Gabrielle, which caused devastation in many other parts of the Upper North Island in February. Hunt said for Cyclone Gabrielle its forecasting model performed well and meteorologists were able to predict much of what happened. But in the case of the earlier Auckland anniversary floods, Hunt said the weather behaved differently to how it had in the past, a very narrow, very long channel of very, very, very this is true, this is what he said. Oh, it sounds like um, Fauci. Oh, very, very, very safe and effective. Very, very uh, moisture-laden air was funneled down over Auckland and that region. That was very, <laughs> a word, very hard to predict exactly what the weather phenomenon was or phenomena was going to be. But uh, more importantly, exactly where it was going to land. It was not... Uh, it has it had not been just met service models that struggled with those pr- uh, predictions but all models in cases like this intervention from the meteorologists was essential according to hunt uh, if a model appeared to be under forecasting or forecasting incorrectly the meteorologist could simply apply the expertise to the modif- and modify the forecast to cater for that so that's how it happens here but they say that they performed quite well I don't know. They're using AI, aren't they? Uh, it's, a, it's a machine learning already played a part in the weather modelling. The new generation of weather models are going to be heavily informed by those new capabilities with using artificial intelligence. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? I'm. I, I, do I Do I believe in... I've got to ask myself. Grant, do you believe that there is um, some clandestine group... That are uh, manipulating our weather so that they can push their climate change agenda. A lot of people say screaming right now, saying yes, yes, but I'm not convinced. <laughs> You'll have to convince me, convince me. Go on, I mean I'm open. I'll listen to anything. I I, I listen to. I will give anyone a platform. Uh, unlike some people, I I just don't know. I'm not convinced. And when it comes to when it comes to what they call um, sort of um, aerosol spraying I mean they're talking about it aren't they but is it really happening is, it, is that what they're really doing I think that's what they're planning on doing but are they really doing it people are screaming yes of course they are where have you been you're half asleep And well maybe I am I, just, I, just, I think I just don't want to believe that people would be so evil that they would do that to us just to push their own agenda of, of man-made climate change that it's caused by us, so that they can tax us, so that they can finance their world government. Because that's what it's all about. It's all about taxing you, just finding new ways to tax you. Okay, so that's the Met Service there, and we're looking at stories from Radio New Zealand. Also, uh, the man killed in a yacht race was a teacher, weeks away from retirement. That is a very sad story, so we'll have a closer look at that. And he looks a lovely. He looks a really kind, lovely chap. Actually, heavily involved in yachting. Uh, The man who died during a major New Zealand yacht race was just weeks away from retiring after teaching at a top Auckland high school for more than three decades. Westlake Boys High School principal David Ferguson, yesterday, he wrote to the school community, telling them the history teacher and avid sailor Simon Smith died in the Coastal Classic yacht race on Friday. Smith was fatally injured when the boom, that's a horizontal spar that um, goes right across the cockpit quite often, uh, that sits at the bottom of the mast, and uh, so that swung around and struck him during the race. Two other sailors on board the yacht were also injured in the late-night incident. He described him as an avid sailor and a Westlake uh, legend. Uh, An email sent to parents and students this afternoon, that was yesterday, uh, said Smith was hugely popular with hundreds of boys whom he taught, mentored and coached. He was also a much-loved colleague with a great sense of humour and an incredible knowledge of New Zealand history. This is what Ferguson wrote. Simon Smith Simon was a, a loyal Westlake First 15 rugby supporter and was always present at Westlake's events where he was often surrounded by large groups of Westlakers as he told stories. He sounds fantastic. Simon was a really proud Westlaker who gave nearly 35 years of service to his old school. Uh, He told me only last week that he was going to finally retire in December this year. We are so sad to hear this news about Simon. Simon is a Westlake legend and the school won't be the same without him. Ferguson said Smith's wife also worked at the school. And they had three children together. The principal said since the beginning at Westlake, uh, that's the beginning of 1989, Smith had acted as a history teacher and head of department. He was also a dean and a hugely successful sailing coach. He had been a uh, keen on sailing for a long time, competing in the first Whitford round the world yacht race. The school will be, uh, though, they will hold a special assembly today in honour of Smith. Ferguson did not want to comment further. The Coastal Classic, hosted by the New Zealand multi hold Yacht Club, in 119 is a 119 nautical mile race from Auckland to Russell in the Bay of Islands. The fatal accident occurred in the Bay of Islands. As many of you know, last night, Friday, we were informed by Maritime Police of a serious incident aboard one of the entrance boats. Whew. It's hard to read actually. Okay, um, we've got news coming we think up. Hospitals. News coming up shortly. I can't continue with that story because I find it very sad, very sad indeed.
1: This is a TNT radio encore. If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at TNTradio.live.
9: We cannot have Baghdad bobs running around uh, promulgating these lies, uh, especially members of Congress. Uh, So it is imperative. Uh, It does matter. Facts matter here. And we need to make sure uh, that people understand Israel did not attack a hospital. Uh, That was a terrorist organization that did that.
7: That's right, okay, one minute two, and we're almost there we've got I can hear the Patrick Hennison show on TNT radio playing in the background and uh we've got oh about a minute before we go to the news so let me just continue with some other stories I can't continue to read that story because I just find it so um so upsetting all right, so what else have we got here? A demolition of a burned Wellington heritage heritage building is to begin today. Uh, This story's just come out. We'll have a quick look at that while we're waiting for the news at the top of the hour at 7 o'clock. And, of course, after 7, I'll bring you the short forecast. Uh, To work to demolish a fire-damaged heritage building in Wellington's central city began today, Uh, uh, well, it will begin today, the Toothmath building on Guzni Street uh, has been subject to a quake-prone building notice for over 20 years before it was gutted by fire on the 15th of October this year, this month. Uh, The building sat empty since 2019 and had gradually been overrun by tagging vines and uh, also squatters as well, a whole heap of squatters. And that was uh, just off Cuba Street in the car park. A spokesman for Wellington City Council said that the structure had been stabilised with scaffolding and a cordoned block, uh, blocking southbound traffic access to Gooseney Street was lifted on Monday. So boy, oh boy, I'm just looking at some picture of a fire. OK, so here's some TNT Radio news now, and we'll be back with some weather in just a moment.
1: Replay of this hour. Go to episodes at TNTRadio.live now. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James
2: O'Neill. The Health Ministry in Gaza reports that more than five thousand Palestinians are dead in Israeli strikes, since Hamas terrorists killed more than fourteen hundred people in Israel on October seventh. In addition to more airstrikes, the Israeli military is conducting limited raids in Gaza. Every day the Israelis are getting more information, but they're receiving outside pressure from Americans and other regional parties about delaying the ground operation. And there's an understanding that once Israel goes into Gaza, there will be bloody street-to-street fighting. And any sort of diplomatic conversations that are taking place trying to get hostages freed will stop altogether, because the focus will be on the ground operation. So the Americans are trying to ensure they can get U.S. citizens who are being held hostage out and also the hundreds of foreign nationals that weren't taken hostage but are currently trapped inside Gaza to try and get them into Egypt. Israelis so far have delayed that operation despite staging thousands of soldiers along the border. A former charity chief-turned-mayor candidate says he will end rough sleeping in one year by banning begging and allowing drug users to inject in hostels. Nick Buckley revealed the plans as he accused politicians of allowing people to die on the streets through cowardice. In an interview with NTD's British Thought Leaders Program, a 2024 Greater Manchester Mayor candidate said unpopular decisions have to be made to stop the city's homeless crisis, where people are dying in rat-infested
11: alleyways. Some great determination. doesn't take a rocket science to work any of this out. The first thing we do is we end begging. Begging supports people to live on the streets. So we we make sure no one can beg in Greater Manchester, especially in the city centres. You go to anywhere in Manchester now, outside any supermarket, outside any shop, there's a beggars out there. Seventy, eighty percent of them are not even homeless. They're begging just for money for drugs, and we're help- and they're going to be tomorrow's rough sleepers. By the way, we just we never stop that conveyor belt of broken people. So we end begging. That means the people living on the streets are in a better condition to accept the help and support. I'm going to set up a series of hostels. So we look at a, look at a disused warehouse. We fill it with garden sheds. Each garden shed is an independent living pod. And then we move people into there. Not long term, we move them into there so we can get into somewhere better. But it's a media off the streets that day.
2: The U.S. State Department has issued a rare do-not-travel notice for American citizens in Lebanon as large demonstrations erupted in the wake of recent violence in Israel and Gaza. Starting Tuesday night, huge crowds were seen headed towards the U.S. Embassy complex in Beirut. People flying Hezbollah, Hamas, and Palestinian flags were seen trying to storm the gate, and later fires were spotted at the gate in some outlying buildings. T. Radio's Patrick Henningsen says it seems like the public in the Middle East is overwhelmingly siding with the Palestinians.
4: Well, the horror of the Israeli Defense Forces' strike on the hospital in Gaza has sent ripples and is cascading across the Middle East. Protests, mobs are forming. Embassies have been attacked in Jordan. The Israeli embassy was set fire to as the crowd went and headed towards the U.S. embassy after that. In Beirut, crowds have converged on the U.S. embassy there. There have been uprisings all over the region. It seems like the public in the Middle East is overwhelmingly in support of the Palestinians. This is after being divided into various factions. This has always been the design of the West, was to divide the Arab world, to divide the Muslim world. It seems they're all coming together now in a way that nobody's ever seen before. It's almost like an actual organic Arab spring is really happening this time, but in support of the Palestinian cause. It's an incredible development, and it could leave some governments... In the Lurch, for TNT Radio, this is Patrick Henningsen.
7: Thank you, Patrick. And we'll be back with uh, New Zealand weather in just a moment. Five past seven.
0: If we want traditional treatment, then we have to be traditional women. And I'm sorry, for a lot of women, that ship has sailed. It sailed. It was it was in your 20s. So a 30-year-old lawyer, why the hell does he have to pay? And this is like what women do when they want to shame men. She'll say, uh, you're not marrying the mother of your child? Well, why don't we have the same shaming for women? You didn't wait for marriage for the husband of your children?
1: This is a TNT Radio Encore. If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live.
7: Okay, let's look at the weather for the whole country. First of all, the extremes. uh, Auckland, Hanoi, 15.1 degrees. Slightly cooler. It was up to 15.2 before. What was it? No, it was 15, actually. It's gone a little bit warmer. Good on them. Uh, That's good, isn't it? Isn't it great to have some warm weather at last? Hastings, though, it's still very cold. Hastings can be so hot during the day, right up there in the high 20s, and then it can drop down to 5 degrees or lower. And Hastings now has the lowest temperature in the entire country with uh, 5.9. Wellington is the windiest place to be in Lyle Bay, 35 kilometres of wind per hour blowing through there. Westport has 1 millimetre of rain. The temperature's right across the main centre. Stewart Island's on 13 degrees. Invercargill is uh, now 9 degrees, Dunedin 12 uh, we've got 9 degrees in Timaru Chatham Islands is on 10 Queenstown has 9 France Joseph uh, 8 And uh, both uh, Westport and Nelson are on 11 degrees uh, Blenheim has 10 degrees Wellington 13 degrees at the bottom of the North Island Masterton 6, Napier 7 Palmerston North uh, 11 New Plymouth next to Mount Egmont there Has the uh, 15 degrees Oh, that wound you up, didn't it? Uh, Taupo and Rotorua, 12 there, 12 degrees. Gisborne, 9. And uh, Tauronga 14. Hamilton, 13. Auckland, 15. And Whangarei 12 degrees. kaitaya 14. Let's look at that short forecast. The new one's just come through just moments ago. Auckland to Tarumanui, including the Coromandel, Bay of Plenty and Taupo. Mostly cloudy with scattered showers for Gisborne, Hawke's Bay and the Waiarapa. Cloud increasing from afternoon with isolated showers. Taihepi, Wanganui, Manawatu. a Cloud over the morning. Isolated showers for the time this morning and again this evening. For Taranaki, Kapiti, Wellington and Marlborough and also Nelson. A few showers developing this morning. Turning to rain this evening with possible heavy falls for Buller, Westland and Fiordland. Rain about Fiordland and Westland spreading north this afternoon with heavy falls and thunderstorms possible from midday onwards. For Canterbury and Kaikoura coast, high cloud with brief light rain possible morning and uh, also, yeah, both morning and evening. Yes, and Otago, Southland, scattered light rain this morning, showers from afternoon with heavy. And often thunderstorms as well, with hail as well, possible as well. Must be it's interesting, isn't it? How they can have that. It's actually quite warm. If I look, if I go back and look at the area, oh no, it's a bit chilly there, so I can see why they may have some hail as well. Uh, For the Chatham Islands, you've got and its islands, cloudy periods with, with the odd morning shower. Looking ahead to the extended forecast for Wednesday in the North Island, rain easing to isolated showers. And clearing in the east later in the South Island tomorrow, showers in the west, turning to heavy rain in Fiordland later, and uh, you've got mainly fine elsewhere. For Thursday, for the North Island, mostly showers, uh, just a few showers mostly, turning to rain from about Cavity Coast in Wellington, but remaining dry in the Gisborne and Hawke's Bay area. And the South Island on Thursday, rain in the west with heavy falls, scattered rain elsewhere, snow lowering to 200 metres in the south at night. So it's going to get a bit nippy on Thursday in the um, in that area there. What area is that? Gisborne, Hawke's Bay in the North Island. South Island rain on so. No, so the South Island's going to be not too good. For Friday, in the North Island, a few showers, but mostly dry in Gisborne and Hawke's Bay. South Island showers in the west and south, with snow lowering to low levels in the south. That's uh, Southland, of course. Down there in Winton and Invercargill and places like that, where Jaspeet Bopari from uh, Reality Check Radio, uh, she's one of the announcers there. That's where she's a dairy farmer, her and her husband and family, right down there at, uh, in Southland doing a fine job. Finally, for the Chatham Islands and its oillands, uh, you've got. <laughs> I say that because we all used to laugh when we were sailing up in the Bay of Islands and we were listening, I think it was about, oh, it was quite a few years ago, but we were listening to this English fellow. And he would say for the Bay of the, the Weather Forecast, the Marine Forecast for the for the Bay of Islands and its islands, and it was so funny. And we always used to laugh because we've always just called it the Bay of Islands. I mean that's what it is. You don't have to say the Bay of Islands and its islands. I mean, I know the area is called the Bay of Islands as well, but you just don't really say the Bay of Islands. I know what you mean, don't you? But the Bay of Islands and its islands, and it used to just make us all laugh. Anyway, for the Chatham Islands and its islands, uh, a period of rain and northerlies on Wednesday, cloudy on Tuesday, and showers and strong southwesterlies on Friday. So there we are, and uh, so I'm not sure what we're going to do next. Uh, No, I'm finished, that's right. It's, It's two minutes 12 minutes past 7 and that's my lot for the day and uh, I don't know, it's been a bit of a struggle for me this morning I've had lots of technical difficulties and um, reading disabilities (laughs) Okay, so we'll we'll call it quits and uh, I'll see you tomorrow morning, Lord willing always like to say Lord willing because you just don't know the Bible says boast not thyself of tomorrow for thou knowest not um, what a day may bring forth and also, it's just come to mind, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. I like the way they say that, on the morrow. In other words, tomorrow. It's wonderful, I quite think I might use that. What are you doing on the morrow? Oh, I don't know. I think I'll go down to the town. I might go and do the auctions. I might go and have a look at a cattle auction. I've got some cattle to buy. And uh, I might go and look at me, some bulls as well. You could talk like that. On the morrow. So anyway, so you th- that verse is um, uh, whereas ye know ye is just plural for a, a, a group more than one person that's what why ye is used and not you so wonderful English isn't it for ye know not what shall be on the morrow for what is your life it is but a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away
1: This is a tNt radio. on If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at TNTradio.live.
0: I actually didn't think it was strong. I prepared all day to love this speech. I prepared to want to stand up and cheer. And at times, I felt like we were reading a speech whose pages had been mixed up out of order. I thought that he didn't spend enough time talking about the atrocities of October 7th. Uh, he, he does obviously have a, a definite, deep understanding of the pain, and he is definitely against anti-Semitism both abroad and at home, but he he rushed that part of the speech so much, and the next thing I know, we're talking about Ukraine, and they were kind of back to Israel, but then, wait, wait are you going to bring it up Taiwan as well? I thought there was going to be something on the southern border. I. Did not think it was as strong as it could have been, and I wanted it to be strong. A
5: video went viral of a TikTok influencer describing her encounter with a man on the streets of San Francisco.
0: And I just got groceries. I'm walking out of the
12: store, and this guy is walking past me and says, move, you stupid and he spits in my face, spits all over my face. And then I say, excuse me, did you just spit in my face? And he says, move or I'll rape you. There's also people everywhere, and everyone's just walking by because they're like, I can't handle Something else in San Francisco, it's always something else. I don't even know why I'm
8: posting
5: this. That's also why it is, at this point, very hard for me to have sympathy for the typical San Francisco resident who has this kind of typical San Francisco experience. These are, in almost every case, liberals who vote for leftist candidates who promise to make their communities less safe. They vote for this. They choose it. They literally ask for it, and then they get what they asked for. My capacity for pity has, I confess, limits and residents of San Francisco live outside of those limits at this
1: pro-choice always made sense to me because I don't like people telling me what to do and I was just like it's your body who the am I to tell you what to do with your body so that always made sense all right however I still think you're killing a baby (laughs) see that's where it gets weird it's not a baby yet. that would be like if I was making a cake and I poured some batter in a pan and I put it in the oven, and then five minutes later, you came by and you grabbed the pan, and you threw it across the floor. And I went, What the f? You just ruined my birthday cake. And then you were like, Well, that wasn't a cake yet. It's like, Well, it would have been. If you didn't do what you just did, it would have been a cake in 50 minutes. Something happened to that cake. You cake burner, son of a. <laughs> He's the best.
6: Have you, have you seen the, the routine that he did on uh, the WNBA there? And always like, ah, there are enough people at WNBA
9: games. They're like, well, f- you, you're 50% of the population. Get your asses out in the stands. Things that interest you, give you lots of energy. Things you don't wanna do, you keep procrastinating, which is horrible. The key to motivation is routine. Now that may sound boring and mundane, but it's not. Start your day with the biggest problem. When you've got all your energy, Take it right out of the gate. Whatever it is, it's gonna be some horrific problem, you gotta deal with it, get it done first. Generally speaking, there's gonna be five to seven things you have to do every day. You won't get them all done every week and every day, but you wanna take the top three and nail them. And the trick to that is to do nothing else till you solve those problems.